0: Welcome to another episode of Not That Solita. In this episode, we're going to talk about why the podcast. And I'm going to try and drop episodes at least bi-weekly. As you know, sometimes life gets in the way. And in that first episode, if you didn't notice, I was sick. I was congested. I had a cough. And thankfully, I was able to make it through the entire episode without coughing. That was a plus. But I do want to give you an overview as to why I decided to begin this podcast. And also acknowledge some of the things that I discussed in that very first episode so let me begin why the podcast so I had the idea for something like this a couple years ago I wanted to tell my story which is something that I try to do in my own academic work tell my story before I begin anything I begin with my story. I feel that I am more genuine. We become more we we are more genuine with what we're doing if we always start with our own story, which ends up explaining why we do things. So, as I said, I wanted to tell my own story. I am tired of others telling the story of someone who's crossed the border. And there's a few caveats about that, which we'll get into in other episodes. But for now, I wanted to reclaim my story, as I said. And within that story and the title of the podcast, I let you know that I've never been that alone, even though, even though at times that's how i've felt and in that first episode i let you know i i i, I opened up i was as vulnerable as i've ever v- been with people that i don't know and i did it because i recognized and i realized that there's others out there who might be going through the same thing. They, it might not be the same exact thing, but you can relate to what I was going through. And as I journeyed, as I healed from everything that transpired last year, little did I know that one of my closest friends was going through the same thing and we never told each other but we also all, even though we are close we no longer talk the same way that we used to when we were in undergrad now this friend she's a couple years younger than me but if I remember correctly when I was a senior she was a, a freshman I want to say or a sophomore then I graduated. She's she was still there. I went and started dealing with real life and and things like that. And so yes we kept in touch. Yes, every time that we speak it's as if no time has passed between us. But somehow we just didn't share the struggles that we were going through. And so that's why that's one of the reasons behind the podcast to say you are not alone. Yes, that is how we might feel. That is how why, how we might be feeling. But we're not alone. And I also want to honor all of those people who have journeyed with me from a very young age up until now. And of course, some of those people are no longer with me, not because they have passed away. They just had to make an appearance in my life and after their appearance they went somewhere else others have stayed to continue to write short stories in the book of my life or the novel of my life others have been minor characters if you want to put it that way but nonetheless they have been part of the journey and so that is why it's called not that solita. And bilingüe porque that's also my reality. I live within this duality of English and Spanish, of being Salvadorena y haber crecido en Estados Unidos. And so I'm not gonna shy away from that for so many years i had to hide part of who i was and wh- and i want to thank one of my professors who opened my eyes i guess if if you want to if if i want to ca- characterize it as she removed the veil from my eyes she uh she gave me the tools I needed to be able to see past who I thought I was and reclaim my identity. I've always said I am Salvadoran first, I'm from Central America, but that was it. Um, But after having taken one of her classes I started decolonizing some of my own, my my way of thinking. My way of thinking began to be decolonized in some other areas as well. And, And she was a pivotal person in my journey. She made me feel seen. She made me feel that I needed, I needed to recognize and really hone in on who I am at the core in order to be genuine in my own work. And if, if, you were to look at my academic work or or even my scholarship it's it's all based on the immigrant community because i am part of that community but one of the things that i kept doing was viewing them as as pobrecitos as people who needed help and and somehow i was going to save them or help them in in this saving kind of manner. And no, no no no, no, boy was I wrong. It's a matter of giving in the, the skills, the tools, the resources so they too can thrive. And then we can continue building these ladders for the for the generation that's coming behind us. In this way, we are never alone en nuestro caminar, en nuestras luchas, porque lo estamos haciendo juntos, lo estamos haciendo para mejorar el futuro de las generaciones que vienen detrás de nosotros. And so, in that sense, there's also healing. Um, For me, it it was so, one, it was eye opening but also being able to reconcile a lot of the things that my parents grew up with that were considered, I don't know, taboo or no-no's. You're like, you do not do that. And for example, um, I developed anxiety and I'm not gonna go into, into how, but I developed anxiety and i couldn't sleep i i was it, it was it was that was, it was so dark um this happened a couple of years ago now and i don't know how i got through it well i mean i know how <laughs> but in the moment it was just so dark and so i went and i told my mom mom i think i need help no, you know, like, mommy, esto me está pasando, ya fui al doctor, me el, mi doctor cabe, de, eh, cabecero, y esto es lo que me está dando medicina, y yo no quiero esto, yo no quiero, I've always been afraid of pills, so I don't know want to do pills. And she says, okay, pero, ¿qué has pensado de ir a ver a un, a un psicólogo? And I was so shocked. I was, I had thought about it. But, again, that, that's so, uh, within the Latino community, actually I won't generalize, um, for many Latino families, this is, no, porque no estás loca, eso es para los locos, si estás loco, estás loca, right? And so, but no, my poor mommy, she says, um, ¿Quieres que te acompañe? ¿Ya sabes a dónde? Um pregúntale a una de tus amigas, tal vez alguien te puede referir a alguien. And she she didn't make any any of these remarks that I had been prepared to fend to, you know, to uh fend off or things like that. No, she just she just said, ¿Quieres que vaya contigo? And, and I said, no, mami. Yo, yo voy solita y ahí hice la cita. And um, I came back. I told her how I went. And she was just glad that I was able to get the help that I needed. And and we spoke about it days after um, that, yeah, if she would have said that to her parents, they would have said, "Was." Que estás local, okay. You know, because because we do not go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. We we just do not do that. And so that doctor has been part of my journey as well, and on a on a different note. But we need to work towards uh making that acceptable, right? Um maybe trying to help our parents understand that mental health is a priority. So many of us have uh, traumas from different things, um like I said generational traumas, the way that our parents were raised very hopefully was very different than how you were raised because they didn't want to raise you the way that they were raised and for me, thankfully, that was the case. My mom did not want to race us the same way that my grandma and my grandpa raised her. And... When I introduce my mom to my friends, I always say, you know, a mi mami le gusta dar muchos abrazos y besos y toda la cosa. Así que por favor, you know, if you're not into it, just um, let me know. So then, you know, when my mom meets you, she knows to just, you know, be a little more gentle up till now. Nadie, nadie me ha dicho, no, yo no quiero que me abrace tu mamá. Right. Everybody. My mom is such a such a loving person. Um, that she she just exudes love, and I think that's what helped my own healing journey along the way. Having someone that I can go to, she really is my best friend, and of course, growing up, she was my mom, right? But as I got older, that relationship changed into a uh, friendship. I had already learned. How to be her daughter, and to learn how to be her friend was even more phenomenal. So, uh, but but yes, so I'm I'm grateful that that my mom understood that, and even she even she has sought out um, mental help, you know, with her mental health. So it's one of the things. And we'll talk about it more in depth uh, later on in the podcast, and maybe in in future episodes, as to um, why why do many Latino families, maybe not oppose, but you know, as the saying goes, um, "dirty the dirty laundry se lava casa," right? We don't air it out. Um, but let's take a break, and we'll come back. So we're back. So as I was saying, the podcast is in, is in honor of all those people that have journeyed with me. But I also want to hear about others, how they've journeyed with others, how others have been part of their journey. I I would like to have a spectrum of examples right um i always learn from other people that that's something that i love that i might be sharing something with someone and then they say you know what i went through that and but i had such a different approach and so you know as soon as they say that or or they say well that's not that i i had i found other solutions or maybe they got stuck and what i said helped them become unstuck or maybe I'm stuck, and whatever they said helped me get unstuck. So, vamos a hablar con otras personas y que nos cuenten sus historias, que nos cuenten cómo han venido sanando y también qué, qué es lo que los mantiene en pie porque es tan difícil to just give in, to just feel defeated and to find the joy in something again when you've just been kicked to the ground and now for me my faith has been something that i hold on to with dear life my relationship with god over the last year has only deepened and as i said in that in that first episode i don't know what would have happened if i didn't have that relationship with god and i i know that that's not everyone's uh way of thinking or your cup of tea but for me god is not just my father he's he's my friend and I seek out his help and so we're going to see with the conversations that we have with other people, we're going to see why uh, or where, where they find themselves, right? Um, I, I like to hear where others stand, how others have dealt with different things. And how they continue to move on, how they, where do they get this hope from? And, and I'm that type of person that uh, life can knock me down and knock on wood. I am the type of, I will continue to see things as glass half full. I, I, it makes me sad. It makes me feel heartbroken when I f- see someone or I hear someone or I hear someone tell me that they're having such a hard time and and they've already given up and and i wish i wish that i could give them the energy to continue going whatever it is that they need so they can continue moving forward right so i will try (laughs) i will try to drop episodes um maybe bi weekly, um, because this will also serve as a cathartic way for me to let's say de stress, but as I said, life is is happening, there's different experiences that I'm going through, especially in these these new adventures that have that I have embarked on, some of them so unexpectedly, but if I hadn't been ejected from my previous job, I don't think they'd be happening. Or maybe I would have been tempted to say, pass, right? But what do I have to lose now? It's, it's all uphill from now. Well, at least that's how I'm choosing it to, to see all these things. But um, in that same Not That Solita, there's been so many books too that have fallen on my radar that have given me that nudge to continue, especially exploring my own Latinidad and knowing who I am embracing who i am i i mean i've always been proud of being from it right and but it wasn't until a couple years ago maybe when i was doing my masters when i started doing more research about the country i started asking well i'd always been intrigued by my own journey. And I was only one, one and a half when my parents decided to leave El Salvador. And for those of you that are familiar with the history or for those of you that are not familiar, um, the El Salvador went through a civil war and so many people m- murieron. Many people had to flee. Whether they fled to the neighboring countries or oh, se vinieron para Estados Unidos, and and you can read some of these stories. Uh, for example, um, there's a couple of authors who just published memoirs about their own journey crossing the border. Right, Los Tigres del Norte. If you're familiar with Los Tigres del Norte. They have a movie Tres veces Mojado. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's it's an amazing movie. Uh, maybe you disagree with me, but I I liked it. And and of course los Tigres del Norte no son salvadoreños. <laughs> but you know it, it depicts as well as many other movies. Pobres um, inocentes gives you a glimpse into what happened in El Salvador. In that's a story that gets repeated in many countries, right? Um, brother against brother. And so we we fleed. And so I know, I mean, I have no recollection of what happened. I was only I was a baby, right? And so um I'm fortunate to not be scarred, and I know that is not the story for for many people. I know that there are those who que sufren, sufren mucho, vienen a pie. Um, I mean. I'm hoping to sit down with one of my uncles because just thinking about about his story, and this is because my mom has told me what he went through, right? And this uncle, he's my mom's younger, younger brother, and he came before we did. He came a couple years before we did, and then he and my grandma, who was already here, along with another tia, my mom's younger sister, we're already here, and so they they got to work, started saving money, and then mandaron a traer a mi mami, a mi papa, another one of my tios, and and of course me, right? And he I've never sat down with him to get his story, but from what my mom has told me it's i mean i cry i'm crying now (laughs) and so and that is what i want for this podcast to be to be a healing place to reconcile our past with our present and if you were to meet my uncle you'd never guess the the stuff that he's gone through that he's witnessed that he saw that he suffered uh what his body went through you right and and um from what my parents have told me for the most part we came or we traveled by by car i know that's not the reality for a lot of people especially right in the, the last couple of years with the caravans with all these um unaccompanied minors and i have one uh, a cousin she's related we are related through my mom's side her this is my My mom's um, sobrina es hija de de uno de sus hermanos, el hermano del que hablaba hace ratito. And so from her mom's side, uh, it gets so complicated, right? Um, she, She opened the doors to her home to one of her cousins who made the journey from El Salvador, if, if I remember correctly, it took him three months to get here. And he walked. There was no car for him. He just, something was going on in El Salvador. And so he just, his life was in danger. And so he decided that it was either flee or, you know. And so he decided to flee. And he was a minor he was a minor and thankfully he was not one of those who got caught and was put in those cages that became so infamous a couple years ago but and and he was he was in his late teens and that experience is gonna stay with him. And there's so many people like that, right? Whether they were adults when they crossed, whether they were teenagers, kids, um, this, this same cousin who will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks, um, I don't know if she if we talk about it we we've talked about our journeys right and there are things that she remembers other things that she doesn't and we always make fun of her (laughs) and because or we made fun of her because whenever we would visit each other for the most part, everybody's eating egg for breakfast, right? We call it huevo estrellado, huevo frito, um, but she never, she would never eat it. And I remember this one time I asked her, I said, Jesse, how come you never eat your eggs? And she just kind of shrugged, right? And then later on, like I kept pressing her, like what? Por qué? Por qué no te estás comiendo los huevos? And, and I, I delivered the same line that my mom always delivered to us. Tantos niños que se están quedando que no tienen que comer, y tú aquí, you know, desperdiciando el huevo. And and then she told me, she said, "Well, Christy, when we were coming, that's all we ate. Like, I don't want. Yo no quiero volver a ver un huevo." And to, to this day, my cousin will not eat an egg. There's something else to it I can't remember. But uh, uh, we'll talk about this when when she's on the and on the podcast. But um, for me, this whole reality of being an immigrant, of this duality of vivir, aquí, vivir crecer aquí in, in Estados Unidos, as opposed to El Salvador. And I sometimes think about that. What would have happened if we would have stayed uh, right now I' am in a doctoral program. Would I have gone that far should we have stayed? I uh, yeah I mean my mom only went to sixth grade and then she just went to work with my grandpa with my grandpa so would that have been me, would that have been my brothers and sisters? I don't know, I I don't know, but I am fortunate, I am grateful, I'm thankful for the people that have been accompanying me in my journey and have not left me alone because these people and as i like to call them my angels saw potential in me as well as in other students um and they pushed us and and a lot of this también tiene mucho que ver con some of the shows that i that i watched Uh, i remember growing up with sister sister and i must have been like in fourth fifth grade and the girls on the show
1: were
0: they were middle school if i yes yes, in middle school and then they started high school and they were talking about the psats i didn't know what the psats were but i knew that when i got to their grade i needed to find out what these psats were i needed to find out what the sat were uh, because i had to take them because it was in on the tv these girls were, were getting ready for that right and so I had those teachers that saw me, saw something in me and continued to to push me. And again, this will be a conversation that I will talk about with Jesse when um, when when she comes on, because Jesse's only a year older than I am. And for whatever reason, we both ended up uh, in the same grades, different schools, same grades, uh, but different schools. And the way that I was pushed towards higher education was very different than hers. And and this is not to say that I had a better uh, support system than she did. No, 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 no. Um, just so you can see how Two, two people who may have had similar upbringing were pushed in very different directions by different people, and so, so, so even shows shows were part of my journey. So, right, ne- not alone. No estaba solita, um, and of course the novelas, right? But but the novelas taught me something completely different than than what these other shows were were teaching me. What I needed to do. At different grades there was one teacher that I I don't know where she is right now I, 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 I it doesn't really matter either but this teacher now I used to write my sevens with the little slash right underneath the the little top of the seven why i don't know i don't even remember where i picked that up and she came up to me once and she said christina well let me let me say it how she said it christina we do not write our numbers in spanish now i was i think nine or ten okay was nine or ten and i was so confused because i had been told that math or numbers were a universal language and as soon as she told me that we didn't write our numbers in Spanish. <laughs> the words that came out of my mouth were, "In in how do I write the seven in English?" And and now you know, I, I mean, I've had time to think about this, but I was I was nine, I was I was nine or ten, <laughs> so this this was an adult. This was a non-Latino adult. That could have been my grandma. She had she had the age of or what I thought she could have been my grandma. Y me estaba diciendo que yo estaba escribiendo mis números en español. Y cómo diablos se escribe en inglés entonces? I I didn't get an answer. She just told me that I couldn't write my numbers in in Spanish, whatever that meant. So I stopped. I stopped writing my sevens like that. And I, in a way, I ended up colonizing myself because of someone else. because she didn't understand who i was nor anything else about me even though i was i wasn't the only latina in class so colonizing myself by listening to this teacher and writing my sevens how i write them now you know you start at the top and on the left hand corner move over to the right and then come down and you know that stayed with me that marked me and up until that grade i was in fifth grade i had had Latino teachers. I had had um, non white teachers. And when I say non white, uh, I I don't remember what um, my actually I take it back. My kindergarten teacher, Miss Bansant, and she was she was a lot very old. Well, (laughs) let me take it back. She was older. Well, in my eyes, I'm five, right? What did I know? She looked like a grandma, what a grandma would look like. So wherever she is, if she already passed, may she be, you know, may she have graduated into eternal rest and may she not be grading anymore. May she just be enjoying her eternal rest, right? And this teacher just pushed me she pushed me. I was coming from a Spanish-speaking household, and I was starting uh, kindergarten. Preschool, it, I don't remember too much, but I believe it was bilingual. Don't remember the teacher. I remember my mom coming, and she would sometimes help in the classroom, and she would help my sister. And And I'll talk about this uh, when my sister comes on, uh, but the next teacher so miss bansant who was my kindergarten teacher she she was uh of european descent and but she was the sweetest lady ever she cared for us especially those who were non english speaking or were just learning how to speak english right she would um go the extra mile with us and i don't ever remember her losing her temper because we didn't understand and i re- i do remember a couple of times where she would say something and in with every vocabulary word in my treasure chest in my english treasure chest I, I i would try to figure out what it was that she was trying to ask me or tell me or you know but and no It it just, I didn't have it. I didn't have those words yet in my bank, in my treasure box. So she would come, she would come and she would say, okay, this means this, this means this, and this means that. So what am I trying to tell you, right? She would, she would say it in Spanish and then it would click. Okay. So I, I had that. Then first grade, I had a Spanish speaking teacher whose first language was English. Then I had... Uh, Spanish speaking teacher, second grade. And then third grade, I had a English speaking teacher who had learned Spanish uh, first when she was a kid. And as she got older, uh, because she did everything in English, she began to lose it. And And her story has stayed with me as, as I've gotten older. Miss Gonzalez, oh my gosh, loved that teacher. Lo- I have loved all of my teachers even that fifth grade teacher that made me question who I was and then I had Mr Mos in fourth grade and it was in Spanish so my brain was all confused my brain was was translating at, at, at such a um Fast pace. I was learning how to write in Spanish. I was learning how to write in English. I was learning how to read in Spanish. I was reading. I was learning how to read in English, and and yes, that was that was amazing. But it, it also confused me when it came to writing where my commas went, with my accents went. Uh, words in English don't have com- uh, accents, or at least not uh, the words that I was using. The words that I'm writing in Spanish had accents, and I I, I forgot which way the accent went. And then we moved. We moved for for um, to a different city where the neighborhood was predominantly white or English speaking. And when we moved, now my sister and I had already finished our grade. We we my parents decided to move at the end of the school year, where the town where we moved. In Ontario, in Ontario, <laughs> um, they still had, I think, a month or a month and a half to go before they finished the school year. So I was repeating some of the lessons that I had already learned, right? And and that's okay because practice makes better. And so, Miss Papazian, oh, loved this woman, loved her um she was um i don't remember her where where her family was from but she was one of the first people in what became my english speaking world to make it okay to love where i came from i didn't know it at the time But the way that she carried herself, the way that she spoke about other cultures, the way that she spoke about her culture, I came to realize years later uh, that she was teaching us how to love ourselves and where we came from. Okay, then the next year begins and I end up with with that teacher that made me colonize myself. And so as I moved on, as I, you know, went on to other grades, higher education. I always kept that teacher in my mind because she always saw me as less. And I am very grateful and thankful that my parents, especially my mom, were always on our corners for all my siblings. And they, and she, she would tell us, no dejes que la opinión de los demás te afecte. Sí, que te afecte en el momento. Pero que no te afecte para siempre. Porque tú eres tú. Tú eres especial. Tú eres original. Diosito sabe I love my mom for this because those words have echoed around my mind for years. And she continues to be one of my biggest, actually not one, the biggest cheerleader in my life. And so she was upset that this was my teacher. And she did she did try to get me into a different class but we my mom and i sat down and i said no i said no because i was afraid of having to go through this again with someone else. And I don't remember who the other teachers were, who the other fifth grade teachers were. We had tracks. And so um, I don't know who who were the other fifth grade teachers in the other tracks. I don't, re- I don't remember them. I, if, I, if I pulled a like yearbook, maybe I'll remember. Um, but I didn't wanna go through that again. I also needed to prove to myself and to her even though I didn't have anything to prove to her, but I needed to prove to myself that against all odds, I could become the best fifth grade student. And she, this teacher never apologized for any of the things, the hurtful things that she said to me, that she said to others who were... I don't like using it on the same boat because that is so far from the truth. We are never in the same boat, but we were riding a similar storm and she never apologized to any of us. She always saw us as less. Why? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why she, she had that, that chip on her shoulder And I just had to get through the next couple of months. And I did. And so I turned that experience in algo que me dio fuerzas para seguir. Cada vez que yo me he encontrado con un desafío, I think about that, that teacher. I've met people that have wanted me to fail. I have met people who have me metido el pie, that have tried to place obstacles in my path. And yet I have thrived. The other day I was, um, I was doing an interview and the person interviewing me says they said something about new chat. They asked me something about new challenges. How do I see them or, or uh, when I'm given a tasks, something like that. I don't remember the exact words. And I said, you can give me whatever you want. And even if I don't know how to do it, I'm going to figure out a way. I'm one of those. I'm going to figure it out. Uh, Maybe I'll go to Google. Maybe I will text someone and someone who I know knows how to do whatever it is that I'm being asked. Or maybe someone at work knows. I don't know. But put me in a corner. Try to corner me. And I'm going to tell you to step aside and watch me thrive. And and I will always say, the only reason for me, okay? Estamos hablando de mí. The only reason that I have the strength to continue in my path De no aguitarme, de no dejarme vencer, es porque yo me, afer- me he aferrado a esta cruz, se la he entregado a Jesús. Y mi Padre Dios es quien me da la fuerza para seguir. And I know this is not, this is not a a religious uh, podcast, but it's going to seep out. It's going to seep out because my faith has been a part of me the entire, my entire life. And, and I've gotten pushback for how I view things because I am religious because, or because I am in, in a good or in a bad way um i remember this this girl in middle school she used to call me a Santorona. i didn't care. well yeah it hurt it hurt in the moment but you know what i i had god on my side i've have i have had god on my side and i always tell him never let me stray too far from you. Never. That is the only way that I've been able to overcome de sacar fuerzas de saber dónde, porque a veces donde la verdad es que no sé ni cómo se cómo echar para adelante. As you heard in my in the very first episode that I released. Last last year was was so hard, and I felt alone, even though I wasn't, and all because of people like that fifth grade teacher. Either they se alegran al ver a la otra persona derrotada pasando um, pruebas. No, no lo sé. Para mí es my journey, you know, the way that I come into contact with others, I know that I'm going to affect them in some way. Maybe not forever, but in the moment. And I don't want them, I don't want to be one more person that is trying to keep them down. No, 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 no. If anything, I'm going to offer a hand because of all the people that have let me their hand. My sixth grade teacher, right? Oh my gosh. That teacher decided that she wanted every single one of her students to pass that placement test for middle school, for junior high. And so from day one, she started working with all of us. And those of us that needed more work, math has never been my strong suit. She dedicated a little more time. She would give us extra work, practice work to take home that we could do with our parents. And yeah, every if, I wanna say every single one of us passed that placement test. Um, and, and just like her, I there's been so many teachers in my path, professors now who see past the student. They see something more and they're willing to say, take my hand. Let's walk together because we need to make this world a better place. Regardless of the field, hold on to those people that make your journey less of a struggle, whether it's your family, your friends, teachers, uh, sometimes our, uh, our colleagues, the people that we work with. they too become our cheerleaders they too become some sort of support system i stopped believing that work becomes a family uh, but that's because that's more my experience that it whether it's true or not um th- th- i'm talking about you know the my most recent experience like i don't i don't i think i from now on i will be very guarded for better for worse, it I'm gonna be guarded. Um but I am going to hold on to all of those that continue to be there. Um my friends, I have friends that I don't I don't see them often. I mean we're we all met in undergrad and we've stayed very much present in each other's lives, but you know, life, life we don't all live in the dorms anymore. Uh, we're not taking classes with each other, everybody is in a different field and some of them have already started families, they're married. Um, But those kinds of friendship, even when you can't see each other every day, even when you're not speaking every day, they are still a support system because when you get together, and for us, sadly, we just got together yesterday and it wasn't to celebrate uh, something good, for lack of a better word. One of us lost a parent and, you know, it's friends are for good and bad and the bad. And together, juntas, eh, todo se puede soportar, ¿verdad? Demostrándonos nuestro amor, nuestro apoyo, todo se puede y se y se hace la carga un poquito más leve. So before I go I want you to think about those people that are your support system that maybe you don't see every day, that maybe you don't talk to every day, that maybe you don't send a text to every day. Estamos en el mes de la amistad y del amor. Y el amor no es solo entre parejas. There's many kinds of love out there. There's, you know, um, sibling love. There's neighborly love. There's friendship, right? It's not just between uh, couples. It's far more than that. And so, en honor uh, a ese día que ya se aproxima, let those who are your pillars your village let them know that you appreciate them and and thank them thank them if you've never said thank you to them thank them for for being those pillars esos pilares que nos mantienen de pie cuando viene una tormenta y nos quiere knockdown y nos veremos a la próxima.